Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Guardians. As always, I am your host, Amari McPherson. Uh, season coming to a close. We're coming off of a, a sweep. Uh, and we'll get into that. But joining me again, thank you, Matt Milner. Uh, birthday boy. Just had a birthday yesterday. So again, I know we talked about it before we hit record. But again, happy birthday. People listening, make sure you go wish Matt Milner uh, a happy birthday. So how are you doing? Uh, doing good. Uh, 27. Uh, glad to be one year older. Another year around the sun. Uh, just hopefully... The year doesn't go by fast because I do not want to be 30 soon. So, you know. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Uh, I know how you feel. But, uh, yeah, coming off uh, an, a, a sweep of Kansas City where we got swept by Kansas City, that was immediately preceded by a sweep of a team that will may or may not make the playoffs, but definitely is a better team than we are in the Texas Rangers. Uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on that because it seems like a microcosm of the season where um, you you – kind of play up to some teams, but then play down to other teams that you should be. And that's kind of been happening all season. Yeah, I, I think this has definitely been the microcosm of the year. It just feels like every time they take one step forward, it's two steps back. And then it's against the teams you don't think you're going to lose to, like the Royals who have only won 50 games. And then all of a sudden, like the week before, it's like, oh, yeah, we beat, we swept the Texas Rangers like – like that's just been that's just been the year so far. They could ne- they haven't been able to put any steps forward, but they've been just go- going backwards the entire year. Like right now, I think we're t- close to ten games back. It, that's how it's been. Yeah, it, it seems like that sweep of Texas kind of. I mean, let's be honest; it's pretty much done the, the division race. You know, with Minnesota yeah. at this point, it's pretty much been buried since the the uh, series before Texas, but. Even if you had maybe like a little bit of hope, like a sliver of hope, like that Ranger series maybe should have been the catapult to that. And then, oh, what do you know? We're going to Kansas City. It's on the road. But we we beat up on the Royals for years now, only for you to get swept and lose in embarrassing fashion and, and um, you know, just ways that it almost seems like you find ways to lose almost. And like we said, it just kind of been the microcosm of the season. And now we go into this final homestand and it's like, well, let's just kind of enjoy it where it is now. Yeah, it's kind of where we're at. It, like the whole weekend and next week feels like just the only thing that really we can like focus on is Tito retiring. Because even though he hasn't say it, said it, he's basically implied it. And the team has pretty much acted like this is going to be his last year. They're giving out mm-hmm. T-shirts for God's sake. So, you know, <laughs> right. it, 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 you know, it's serious when T-shirts are involved. Yeah. yeah. And a sale. We can't forget about that either. $11 tickets for the upper deck. So make sure you come on out. I'm not even sure how I expect the crowd to be this weekend, if I'm being honest. And I was the same way last weekend. Um, there were actually some pretty decent crowds last week against Texas. But for this week, I guess knowing it's the final weekend homestand, maybe there'll be some, you know, a good crowd or not. But uh, speaking of Tito, um, want to get your your thoughts on how do you think this final season uh, for, for how it's gone under his helm um, has been? Because we know, He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, talked about it. I think I talked about it two weeks ago. Um, you know, he's close to 
uh, to be honest, I can't even remember the number now, but if he, you know, comes back another year, he'll reach this milestone that only a certain amount of managers get. But being the winningest manager in uh, team history, uh, multiple playoff appearances, this season seems like it'll be his only sec- only a second losing season in Cleveland, which is miraculous if you think about it. But just kind of want to get your thoughts on this season specifically, because we know how it has gone overall. But with the disappointment of this year and a playoff appearance last year, where do you see it going? I mean, I don't think it like tarnishes Tito's legacy if that's what where we're at. I think it's just more like it's just disappointing that this would be the way it ends. You would feel like if it ended, it maybe be like during the playoffs, not in a season where you're maybe getting seventy wins, which just shows you how much of a steady hand and how much he's been able to provide success for this franchise. Like, let's not get it twisted. Like some people have tried to make make Tito out to be like the worst manager in the world the, the past six months. But like no ma- managers don't stay around for 11 years, especially like for what he's done since 2013. Like he, his legacy is cemented in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually want to get into that because, like you said, the past six months, his name has just been kind of drugged through the mud uh, over and over, over little things or whatever the case may be over people's own expectations of the team and i've i've said it multiple times i sound like a broken record like i I think last year really set people's expectations up i'm sure we talked about it last time you were on uh about this season um but yeah expand on that uh, how you think that he's being perceived in the public because there has been a lot of backlash regarding his, uh, his performance as manager this final season but i feel like for me personally and trying to be completely unbiased as possible um, you know, he's kind of playing the cards that he was dealt. You know, he's not the general manager, even though he works, you know, uh, lock and step with the front office, uh, as we've seen, or it's perceived to be that way. But, um, yeah, just expand on how you think that, uh, you know, the public has perceived him this year with the disappointing season. I just think with the way things have gone this year, there were just some things that were like with what you mentioned with dealt hand, uh, a dealt hand, there was just some personnel decisions that kind of backfired and then he had to use guys in certain ways that just weren't optimal like with how the outfield turned out this year with like OG struggles Will Brennan struggles and then like Miles Straw struggles you're basically you have to utilize the guys that you're given and since the outfield is a complete disaster for the most part we that's why we've seen Miles Straw had to be played because who can you turn to that you know can hit and also defend out there because say what you want about Miles Straw, he's still one of the best defensive center fielders in the league. But the problem is, is obviously you don't have a backup plan to go to. And that was the whole problem was like they kept getting put into a corner and they had no way of getting out of it. That's pretty much how you can pretty much blame the front office in that standpoint and like Tito just had to do what he had to do like it might have not been the right decisions but like you only can do so much a manager or a coach for that matter can only do so much yeah I completely agree um this is the first time I've ever asked somebody this but I guess if you kind of had to assign blame because there's there is blame to go around you know nobody's perfect Tito's not perfect we know that for sure but with the way the season has turned out who do you think um 
is more responsible for the most blame of this season, whether it be Tito, whether it be the players for not producing uh, or underproducing. Uh, we know we have some, you know, some, some struggles um, or even the front office, because we've seen um, the two front office or the free agent uh, signings that we did over the off season. And, you know, if they work out, then they, they look like a genius, but they don't yeah. work out. So now people talk about the front office and a poor job that they did. I think like, if players were executing up to their capabilities, I don't think we would be in the situation we are. Obviously, with the free agent signings, um, Josh Bell didn't work. Mike Zanino didn't work. But at least with Mike Zanino, you had Bo Naylor you could go to. And we've seen he's really good and is starting to come into his own. With Josh Bell, that was a that was another one where it was like you wanted to add power. And the power was just not consistent enough. And then – but. My my feeling is more the player execution was just not up to par to what this team needed because you needed more from Jose. You needed more from Andres Jimenez. You needed more from key guys than you got this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's been a struggle up and down. Um, we'll see about next year. It's, it's kind of been a mix of veterans and uh, young guys that produced last year and young guys that we're still trying to figure out, whether it be uh, Tyler Freeman, Arias, or whoever, Rokio, Taino, there's a lot of middle in, infielders that um, there's only so many at-bats to go around. There's only so many innings to play, and we're trying to figure out. So it, it seems like the team, for me, like they're trying to rebuild almost and try to figure out who their future is going to be, while at the same time trying to compete um, in the poor, very poor division that they, they certainly had a chance to win it and make the playoffs like they did last year. Um, but it, that mix just, just didn't really gel together. It, you can't really do both well. And it's turned out how we've seen where you, it's just a disappointment all around both the team and the players. For sure. It, that it, it just, a lot of things went wrong at the same time that I think we just didn't realize. It's one thing if a couple things go wrong that you could patchwork. It's another one. It's like everything kind of goes wrong at the same time, like the bullpen implosions, uh, players not playing to their standard, the free agent signings. Like when you're when you win about 70 or more games, that's pretty much sums up why. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I didn't even think about the bullpen. I mean, we know the bullpen has had its struggles. I feel like for me and other people, we've been so focused on the lineup and who's in the lineup every day and where they're hitting and where they're playing or whoever. But yeah, the bullpen, they're certainly not absolved of any blame. Uh, we've seen some very close games and, you know, that's a result of the, the struggle of the lineup that we have, but blowing close games, blowing leads, uh, allowing teams to extend leads close, uh, close and late. Um, I, I don't know. Do you think it's going to be like a, a complete overhaul of the bullpen for next year? Because, I mean, Stefan hasn't produced like we thought he was. Hint just uh, got off to a slow start before he turned around. Um, we've seen Eli Morgan falter. I mean, just a bunch of guys. And, of course, Manuel Classe, um, I think he's one of six guys to blow, I think, 11 or more saves. But at the same time, he has 41 saves. So and it's like the league, which is weird. Exactly. It's it, Again, it's That's like a microcosm of the season where it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, like with the bullpen, it's just been – like if you look at the surface level stats – the stats look fine, but then if you look at them, like look at things in context, like if you watch every day, it's just they blow leads at the worst possible time. Like it's just that's just why like and, and it also bleeds into the fact that the offense being 
like all these one run games. They're not able to out hit teams. They're basically trying to like, like stitch things together and hopefully the bullpen bits them out. But this year as like they just haven't. And that's kind of why another reason why like the things have gone the way they've gone. Right. And that's why I kind of, it's like, he's kind of dealing with the hand he was dealt. It, it, like I said, he's not the general manager. He can't go out and get guys on his own. He can't say, hey, let's call this guy up. And maybe he can, but at the same time, it's not his decision. So circling back to the manager before we continue with the lineup, um, with all signs pointing that he's going to retire after this year, uh, for the first time in 12 years, we'll be looking for a new manager. Um, are there some names out there that maybe are on the top of your list that maybe you would hope to see, um, you know, leading this team next year, whether it's in-house or, or you know, outside of the box or an outside hire? Um, I don't have a name off the top, but I just think the characteristics that we're looking for as the manager is someone that is a people person, someone that can lead a clubhouse, someone that can work with the front office well and can work with the players. Cause like through a 162 game schedule, you're going to have days where things just don't work out, but you're, you're, you have to have somebody that is a steady hand and that is able to keep things from like eroding because it's like, I think we've kind of been spoiled by how Tito has like dealt with things because everything's been in house and he'll usually take the blame on everything. Even if it annoys people with his answers to the press, it's he'll never throw anybody under the bus, but that should be what you want in the manager is somebody that will take the blame on themselves and not keep it in the public eye, keep everything in house and that's just kind of the guy I want personally is like a guy that is a people person that can work with people. And that should be what the team wants too. sure. Mm-hmm. I could, uh, I would definitely like somebody that was, is maybe more advanced in analytics more than Tito, but I just feel like somebody that is going to be like a people person and be very much like upfront with the players with what they want from the organization. So are you looking towards more of like an analytical side? Because um, before you answer that, I think the easy thing, the easy name for people to kind of pluck out immediately is Sandy. And I've also heard a lot of the backlash on hiring him for whatever reason. So I kind of want to get like, do you, like, do you know why? It, yeah. It's, yeah. It stems back to the COVID year and guys that it should not it, it, like he was stepping in for Tito during a pandemic, mind you, a 60 game season. And it's not his team. He did about as good as you could have asked him to. Like, do I think he could be a potential candidate? Sure. I I could see it. Uh, will it happen? He'll probably get an interview. I don't doubt that. But I just feel like whatever happened in 2020 is just so overblown by the fans. And But I, I guess in my mind, like, sure, I would be okay with it if it, like, if he aligns with what I – pretty much described to you. Yeah. So you are looking towards like a analytical side, I guess. I, Cause I think for me, I, I would want someone who's a bit younger, but not super young, but also yeah. kind of balances that, that, that line between, I guess, analytical, but also, you know, the, the physical, the play, the being in the clubhouse, being on the field, um, but also has the experience. And so I guess if you're looking towards Sandy, he may not have that analytical, but I don't know. I, I feel like you could go so many different ways. Yeah, uh, like there, there's no right or wrong. Like as yeah. long as he aligns with the front office, that's all that I need. Because like as long as there's that alignment that they that carries over from Tito, 
and they work together fine, that's all I'm looking for personally. Right. Um, now for next year, no matter who we hire, I, I feel like there's going to be some big shoes to fill, you know, you know, depending on who was there prior. Um, I don't know. Maybe you have expectations for next year. I know I would certainly go in with an open book. I mean, if they missed the playoffs, I certainly certainly wouldn't be surprised. But um, do you think the fans should maybe kind of be open minded and, and, and really temper their expectations going into next year, knowing that we have a brand new manager that may or may not be new to this organization, but leading a roster that they haven't before? Yeah, I definitely think they should be open-minded because, uh, like, you, obviously you don't know what's going to happen with this new manager. Like, you, you might have to be more open-minded because we've been so used to how Tito and how he operates and how lineup construction has gone over the years that you might get – like, if you're not prepared for it, you might get blindsided and you might think it's, like, the dumbest decision in the world. So I, I just say, guards fans. Just be open-minded for the first couple months and just let things play out before you get your hot takes off. I know how you guys work. Oh, my God. We can go on and on about that. I'd say, yeah, at least give it to, like, June or so, you know, before you even have a definitive take because you just know, as we even under Tito, it's like we know we're a second-half team. So even if we start out slow, you know, once the All-Star break hits, it's like a flip uh, uh, switches. You know what I mean? It's we just get hot and we turn it on and, and we do what we do. But yeah, I don't know. I, like I said before, last season was like a nail in the coffin for people. It's like they, they saw the success that we had last year and they won it immediately because we had it before. And it's like, it doesn't really work that way. You know what I mean? When, yeah. when you have turnover, especially with players, you never know what you're going to get. But speaking of the roster, uh, young guys, what is your take on, the young guys that we've seen this year, do you have any favorites? Do you have any, uh, I don't know, hot takes? Like, who's going to be starting next year? Uh, I guess more specifically, do you think that Gabriel Arias has kind of locked up that shortstop position? Because um, I feel like he has, and we could get into his splits here in a second because there's definitely some drastic splits. But uh, <laughs> what, what do you think about the roster, and who do you think is going to be uh, in the lineup next spring? I think to start out, uh, like Gabriel Arias has definitely locked it up at least to, for the beginning of the season. I think he's shown enough to where you keep this going, see how it goes. Like he's 22 years old. You might as well see how much he develops over an off season, uh, like without looking over his shoulder. And I guess with the out, like how I see it, I would think tr uh, they, they definitely need to look into their options with the outfield. Like, for the longest time we've talked about like needing to trade prospects. Like you, you've had this crunch for a while. You need to like start, start to unload it a little bit to get somebody like in a trade, because I think that's the one thing that they need to, an immediate fix is that outfield because George Valera, he kind of had the year they weren't looking for. So not sure what, what that situation is. And like a couple others, you're kind of not sure about either. So it's just like, I think as we're seeing it, like ja, the Nailers, Andres, Arias, Jose, like Quan, those will be there. But with the, the other two spots, I'm just not sure. So I just think they need to look into their options in the offseason. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, outfield has just been a revolving door. And um, before we get into that, because I do have some names I want to bring up, uh, Gabriel Arias uh, is WRC plus against lefties is 87 or 
against righties, no, lefties 87, sorry. Uh, and against righties is 128. So it's like, where like, is he going to develop that, 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 that split that we hope that he can? Because when you bring in a name like Ramon Laureano, who's WRC plus against lefties, he's the lefty killer. It's like 126. Um, I don't know if that's a name that you would want to keep in the outfield for next year, knowing that he's a veteran and knowing that he can hit lefties, or if you just kind of want to stick with uh, the guys we have in the system right now. Um, I think with like, you, you want to give Arias as many opportunities as he can. He's still very young to where you need him to see, like if Josh Naylor can do it, I think you shouldn't have any fear of Arias not being able to hit uh, lefties. But yeah, I think they also probably need to like look into free agent options with that because they've used a lot of young guys to try to fill in those roles. And in the past, this used to be like Ryan Rayburn, Jordan Luplo, Mike of uh, uh, <laughs> Mike Avilas, like guys like that. They need more veteran help because, like, like we've seen, there's so many young guys that they had. They can't fill like the part-time roles that they're trying to like fit them in because they're they're just uncertain and so you need a little bit more stability from your role players pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree actually because I, I you know, I'm not a general manager. I feel like this is something one of those difficult decisions that they're going to have to figure out. It's like yes, you could bring up the young guys, but when you lack the power and we're so far behind the second to last team for uh overall homers Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to win at the same time. So it's like, do you bring up the young guys? Do you sign these vets that may take away at bats and, 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 you know, their time to develop. But I feel like for me, um, if you want to win, go out and get those, those free agent signings that have popped, like we hoped and thought Josh Bell was going to do. Um, and that's not even trying to disparage that signing because I understood it when it happened. It just yeah. didn't work out. Well, yeah. Um, I was in favor but, of it too. Yeah. But it's like, who, well, I don't have the names, but it's like, who are you going to go get? Go get those guys that can play nearly every day, also has pop in their bat that can deliver, that you know can deliver at the plate, but also be a veteran and a leader uh, in the clubhouse and, and the dugout. For sure. Like, you just – they need adults in a room. They, that's the <laughs> first time they've really needed adults in a room in a while. That's probably why Cole Calhoun and uh, Ramon Lariano have been playing as much as they had. Like, they, they just need adults. Yeah, I don't expect Calhoun to be back next year. I'd be interested to see if they bring Loriano back next year. I think he, for me, he is I'm, under contract for the next year or two. Oh, okay, so yeah, I, I think he'll be in the fold at least. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't be against it. I think he could definitely be like your everyday center fielder uh, with the money that Straw is making. I don't, I don't know if you can move him as easily as maybe you could, but you could definitely keep him as a, a late inning defensive replacement, a pinch runner. Um, for whatever reason, he's not been running this year, but he definitely has the ability to. And as we said before, he's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. Uh, he's the reigning American League Gold Glove winner for center field for last year. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like the the outfield, as you were saying earlier, is just so much more of a, an issue even than the infield because of the infield. You definitely have the names that you could plug in there. It's just whether or not they're going to produce. The outfield outside of Stephen Kwan and left field, I feel like it's a crapshoot right now. And so anybody could really kind of pencil in a name that you think is going to work. Um, I was talking to Quincy last week and he said Taylor Ward from the angels, which I think is a very interesting name. He's, he's not, he's not old. He's a veteran. He has experience, has a pop in his bat. Um, could be somebody you plug in there. I don't know how you think about that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. It it would be a name that would make sense. Like you probably wouldn't be that expensive, and like you just need like any help, like any type of like outfield help would would be helpful with like how things have gone. Right. Yeah. Um, let's get into pitching. Uh, we see Shane Bieber is gonna make his return tomorrow. Um, I forget who we're facing, but anyway, he'll be there. Uh, I think there's enough time in the schedule for him and McKenzie to make two starts in the season yeah. left. Yeah, I saw that he was like McKenzie starting Sunday and Bieber starting on Friday. So like, yep. well, they might get about three innings tops, but I mean, it's good to see them pitch just to mm-hmm. know that they'll be healthy going into the off season. That that's huge. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if you have any expectations for them. Uh, I think for me, I'm, I'm more worried about Tristan than, than Shane, just because you're dealing with that elbow and you know, if anything goes wrong, he could get surgery and be on the shelf for a long time We're talking about Tristan. Uh, so I don't know if you have any expectations about either one of them. We know that Shane may be traded in the offseason or next year. Tristan has a little bit more of a leash on him. He's younger, has more uh, time under contract with the team club control. But um, yeah, tell me what you think about those two returning. It, it seems right now, other than having them back for a healthy offseason and a lost season, other than that is just, I guess it's just happy to have them back. For sure. And I don't have like high, like I don't really have like super high expectations just because it's the end of the year. At this point, they're just trying to get lo- uh, get work, like pitch as long as possible, you know, and like just get out of there healthy. <laughs> That's pretty much my expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess at this point, it's going to be two bullpen games, which may or may not be a good thing as we've seen the bullpen. Yeah, strap really in. Fall apart the, lately. the first three innings might be fun. The other six, oh boy. Yeah, it's going to be a long game. So, you know, take a nap or something. But um, <laughs> with the other pitchers that we have, uh, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen, and Tanner Bybee, um, certainly high, high, I don't, not high expectations, but, you know, high praise for Bybee and Williams. And even Allen, who I think started off very well and, I don't know where he, maybe he just lost it, you know, pitching the veterans. They, they have the book on you, you know, major league hitters are are more difficult to pitch to than the minor league. Um, he struggled the other day against the Royals. He got the loss. Uh, but even the start before that, he went five innings, uh, struck out five or seven, didn't allow a run. They end up losing that game as we know, because of the bullpen, but um, a, a young guy who definitely has the upside, of maybe a Bybee and a Williams, but maybe is a little bit more middle of the pack, if you will. So I don't know what your book is uh, on on Logan Allen this season. Yeah, with uh, LTA, I, I think he's he's pitched as good as you could have asked. Uh, obviously, with like his like he's not as talented as uh, Bybee and Williams, but I think he can definitely be a higher tier, like middle of the rotation guy. Especially with this rotation, like I feel like he definitely has the upside that, like, um, that I that definitely made me encouraged throughout the year. I because like he does have the swing and miss. He does have like the the control. I just think right now he just needs to figure out like <laughs> trying to keep the ball in the ballpark because I feel like this year he's been victimized a little bit by it. But for the most part. He, he was solid. Like, I, I think uh, I, I feel pretty good about Logan out. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think for next season he will be in the rotation, at least at the start of the year? We know he definitely has the uh, he has the experience. He has the, the weapons to be in the rotation. But with so many pitchers that we have, we have two coming back this year. 
Quantrill's been hurt most of the year. He's finally come back, been up and down with his performance. Um, I don't know how you see the rotation shaking out for next year, knowing that you've got three good young guys and another one coming up the pike behind them. But you also have some good veterans in front of them too. Yeah, that is the good that that is a good problem to have because you at least have a ton of depth. Um, I think it just depends on what, when, if or when Shane Bieber gets traded because like. If that if he's out of the picture, it probably clears the spot for some, somebody. I think El, uh, Logan Allen is a lock for at least to start the year because he's at least earned it. Uh, but I think, yeah, they get, they have to le- definitely have to at least sort out that last um, that last rotation spot because I think that's where that that main battle is going to be for spring training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quick name that I thought of uh, Xavier Curry, who we know wasn't scheduled to make it you know, to the major leagues out of spring training last year, but then the injury to Tristan McKenzie kind of forced his hand. He was in the bullpen as, uh, you know, a long reliever spot starter. Uh, we saw him make his debut the season prior, um, and he's been with the, the major league team all season. And I think for the job that he's done, I think he's done an incredible job uh, with what they've asked him to do, making spot starts, coming to the rotation with injuries. Um, but also at the beginning of the year, like I said, be the long reliever. Um, now, do you expect him to make it, to the major league team out of spring training next year, um, even though he was a scheduled last year, and what kind of role do you think he'll have? Um, with Xavier Curry, I think like I think his spot is fairly secure for what like as a swingman, like a guy that they can go to if need be for spot starts. So I, I feel fairly good about that. But obviously, like he can also like jump into the conversation for the rotation next year depending on how things shake out, shakes out. So I think he has options going into spring training. He could ha- be the long relief guy, swing, swing man that they can go to, to to start games. And he could definitely compete for that fit, fifth spot in the rotation. I think he showed you that he can definitely compete and be give you some solid innings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I forget who I was talking to earlier in the season, but a name that it reminded me of was Zach McAllister. Um, but a better Zach McAllister. Yeah, um, definitely I do think, better Yeah, he, he's definitely better. I'm not trying to compare him in a negative light, but just in the role that he plays where you keep him in the bullpen, he could come in at any inning. He can go multiple innings, mm-hmm. um, but definitely can fill a spot when you need him to um, with no problem. Um, but switching to Tanner Bybee again, um, sub three ERA has definitely been probably the most consistent pitcher since he's been up, probably definitely the best rookie pitcher. Um, making a case for American League Rookie of the Year. Um, do you think he'll win? And um, if not, why Why is that? Because I know Gunnar Henderson is probably making the best case right now. But I guess if you can make your case for him to win Rookie of the Year, what would it be? I would – my case for Tanner Bobby would be, like, he stepped in and he was essentially the ace of this staff from day one. Like, from a war perspective, he's – top five in turn well top 10 in terms of war for pitchers not just rookie pitchers pitchers in general so like he stepped in was the most consistent guy the guy that they could go to he he basically turned into the ace as soon as Shane and Tristan went down like he did about as good as you could have asked rookie pitcher to do and then some Obviously, I don't I don't know if he'll win it because I feel like Gunnar Henderson has just been so spectacular for the Orioles and they're winning, so that also factors mm-hmm. in. So I, I I just feel like if there is a case, it's just look at the numbers, look at the war. Like 
he's he's just great. He was great this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I, for McKenzie, I'm like praying that he stays healthy because next season, I, I I feel like the one, two, three of of Bieber, a healthy Bieber, McKenzie and Bybee, um, will be like appointment viewing. You know what I mean? It's, we yeah. all know that it might be a top uh, five rotation. It like. Yeah, because we know Cleveland's a pitching factory. Like it's absurd year after year how many names not only that they may lose, but also that they have in their in, in the system that'll come up and just like it doesn't matter. Like you know, I'm young. It, I haven't the faced these, these hitters before. Exactly, and it's like I'm gonna dominate anyway, as we've seen with Tanner Bybee. It's ridiculous, but yeah, I'm hoping next year everybody can be healthy. I feel like this season was almost like robbed of us because the the so many injuries that they suffered just on the rotation alone um that could probably keep you in games win games and we saw how that went so hopefully next year fingers crossed everybody's healthy because yep. uh, i would love to see it injury luck gods help us please help us i know tell me about it we're, we're gonna need it especially if we have a new manager he's gonna have to rely on that pitching because like we said who knows what the lineup's gonna be Mm-hmm. How many young players that we have? I feel like it, it may be a struggle again next year. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like a wait and see, I guess. But nobody really knows the names that we're going to bring in. Uh, I was talking to Quincy last week, and we're like, we have so many names just up the middle alone. It's like, are you? Can, maybe you trade one of them or two of them to maybe get somebody that's going to help you compete down the season, whether it be off season or you know trade that line. Somebody, if if you, there's somebody that you like, come get them. Yeah, like at some point, like you got to like you got to make a trade because eventually you're going to settle shortstop. We already know second base is locked up for a while. And obviously Jose is going to be there and and Naylor's going to be here for at least two years, depending on what his contract situation is. Like you need to start cashing in the chips that you have because you like it, it. You need to at this point. It's been about three, four years we've been having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been hearing the same names over and over, and we still don't know. Like, we don't have that solid player that you know you can put in there every day. I think, except for Jimenez, who we saw last year, and he's had his struggles this year. But um, even somebody like Cal Manzardo, again, I was talking to Quincy last week about it, um, who we all expect to be here next year. Um, I said a couple weeks ago that I would love to see him up this year just to kind of finish out the season like Bo Naylor did last year. Um, but between the two of them, I don't know who who people are penciling them in first base DH. Um, I don't think Naylor's going to go back to the outfield. No, that's just me. Um, yeah, I don't expect that at all. But I don't know who who do you think maybe would be the everyday first baseman versus the DH. And even with that, you know, teams a lot of teams now don't really like to have a permanent DH. They like to keep it open and put different players in there that you know they want to get some rest off of their feet or just stick somebody in there. Um, so, yeah, it'll be some decisions. So I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, they, they definitely need to, like, uh, figure some things out. I feel like Kyle Manzardo will definitely be in the equation. Uh, probably will have to be sharing time with uh, Josh uh, if, I, if I am, like, like if I'm being honest. But, I mean, you, you can have him and, like, Manzardo, like, just go from first base to DH. And then you can have other days where guys can DH. So I, I think they'll it'll – work itself out mm-hmm. kind of like a, a josh bell josh naylor type of platoon i guess which which will work out i think for me the only thing is they're both left-handed 
So it's not like you have a Naylor lefty and a Josh Bell switch hitter or a righty. It's like no matter who you put in there, it's a lefty. I think at this point you don't really care about platoon splits. You just need good hitters. <laughs> you just need guys Very that true. are just hitters. Like, and we've seen Naylor after a, what, 0 for 17. He's unbelievable against left-handers now, and hopefully that will continue to next year. Yeah, I think you definitely expect him to be like, you know, no matter who's on the mound, he's going to hit him. So, yeah, he's been hitting everybody. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, that's it for this episode. Uh, I don't know if – have anything you want to add if you want to uh you know plug your twitter uh waiting for next year as we all know um but yeah go ahead talk about it all right um you guys can follow me on twitter at at 33 milner i also work at waiting for next year doing articles and podcasts i just been podcasting for the browns for with some of the guys there been diving into that and so like check out my work yeah, it's funny because like since I think the Texas series between the Texas series and now on your timeline, it's been like all Browns. It's like no more, no more baseball. <laughs> it, it's definitely been a hard shift. I'll just say. Yeah, that. you can definitely tell where this the switch happened and it went to football. But yeah, as we know, Cleveland's a football town. So I guess go Browns, too, especially since the Guardians aren't winning. Um but yeah, so again, thanks for coming on. Uh, make sure you guys go follow Matt on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow his work at Waiting for Next Year, as well as everybody else uh, on Waiting for Next Year. Um, and yeah, again, this has been another episode of Leaving Guardians. I am your host, Amari McPherson, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. <laughs>